Welcome to the American Countryside Podcast. I'm Andrew McRae, host of the daily syndicated show for over two decades, heard on over 100 radio stations and XM Channel 147. I go on location to meet the people and places that tell the fascinating stories of past and present. And the American Countryside Podcast allows you to hear the full interview with our guests. On this edition of our podcast, we meet the man behind an iconic brand, the blue and gold can WD-40. Perhaps you know how and why that product got the name, but there's much more to the story, and it's all because of the CEO of WD-40, Gary Ridge. Gary and I sat down for an interview in Chicago just before most travel was halted earlier this year. The fact that Gary is in charge of a large global company is certainly interesting, but Gary is a well-traveled speaker, a man who addresses many audiences each year about how to use personal leadership skills that are really things you probably heard from your parents or grandparents, but items nonetheless that we sometimes forget as we grow older. I think you'll really enjoy hearing from the man behind WD-40 and how he uses life lessons in leading and growing his company. Yeah, g'day. It's Gary Rich, uh, CEO of WD-40 Company. Talk about how long you've been with uh, WD-40. How did you wind up uh, there? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, this is my 33rd year. Started with them in Sydney, Australia in 1987. My dad was an engineer. And uh, when I got offered to go to work at WD-40, I said, what do you think about that, Dad? He said, you can't go wrong with that stuff, son. And he was right. So I moved to the U.S. in 1994, um, got the opportunity to lead the company in 1997. And now uh, the blue and yellow brand with a little red top is in 176 countries around the world. The sun never sets on WD-40. There's lots of squeaks out there for us. Some people may know it, but tell about how we wound up with that name. Kind of an unusual name, but it's commonplace to us today. Yeah, in 1953, there was a problem with condensation and corrosion in the umbilical cord of the Atlas Space Rocket in San Diego. The company was called Rocket Chemical Company. And the chemists at that time started mixing up some stuff in their lab. They uh, tried 39 times to solve the problem. They didn't win. I'm so grateful they didn't give up at 39. The 40th one won. Uh, and it stands for WD, Water Displacement 40th Formula. That brand has been around then since 1953. What has made it so strong? Because a lot of brands come and go, but we know that it, we just know that brand. WD-40 is an honest product. Um, you know, People ask me what business we're in. We're in the memories business. We exist to create positive, lasting memories, solving problems in factories, homes and farms, workshops around the world. It's an honest product. It does what it says it's going to do. Um, we, you know, we go a long way to making sure that we deliver above expectation performance at extremely good value. So I think if you've got a product that lives to its promise and you do it consistently, you survive as a brand and you actually grow. We, uh, we, we, we continue to grow around the world. How do you take a product like that and continue to grow? Because some people say, well, it's been around forever. That might be a... Uh a stagnation type of problem, but that's not the case. It doesn't seem with what you're doing. No, it's a very developed product in the United States, but uh, there's lots of squeaks in China and lots of rust in Russia. Um, So we do it that way. But also just recently, the last five years, we've uh, extended the brand too, and we now have a range of products called WD-40 Specialist. You know, WD-40, as we know, is a great multi-use product. You can use it to lubricate, to penetrate, to stop rust, you know, remove corrosion, the whole thing. But sometimes there's a situation where you might need a more specialized product. For example, you know, we've just developed what we call WD-40 spray and stay gel. This is WD-40 in a gel format. So when you spray it, it sticks. 
We also have a fantastic penetrant called WD-40 Specialist Penetrant, and we've got a delivery system on it that is really unique. Instead of the little red straw, we have an attached 8-inch flexible metal straw because our end users said, sometimes I need to get this product to a hard-to-get place. Can you help me? So it's called Easy Reach on our great penetrant product that's low odor. It's a fantastic product. So these are the ways we grow the product. We spend a lot of time watching and listening to our end users because we want to keep our promise. We want to help them solve problems. We're in the problem-solving business of our end users. So with that in mind then, is there a danger that you say, okay, we want to stay up with the times, but we don't want to tinker too much with what is true and tested? How do you balance that in your leadership? Well, the, the original product, the formula is basically the same as it was 53, uh, in 1953. Uh, it, we never patented the product, so it's a trade secret. We have changed some of the delivery systems, some of the solvents, to reduce volatile organic compounds. But again, we want to make sure that we're making products that are solving real problems. And um, we spend a lot of time doing it. The other thing that's great about our products is there's no cancer-causing chemicals in them, no Prop 65 warnings. Our number one value at the company is we value doing the right thing. And we want to make sure that we're delivering best-in-class, safety, environmentally suitable products to our end users. So you are speaking quite extensively. How does the CEO of WD-40 become such a popular speaker, do you think? I have a great face for radio, obviously. <laughs> um, what The biggest thing that's important to me in our company is our people. It's all about the people. And I think it's disgusting that leaders today create toxic environments where 67% of the people who go to work every day hate their jobs. The main reason people leave organizations is because they don't like their boss. And the reason that is is because we create these toxins. I, I developed a, a guy called Al, the soul-sucking CEO, and I talk about him because his behaviors are ones that create these toxic environments. You know, he doesn't involve his people. His ego eats his empathy instead of his empathy eating his ego. He doesn't know how to say please and thank you. He's not dedicated to helping people step into the best version of their personal self. Our job at WD-40 is, as a leader is to be a learner and a teacher. And most people think leadership is about being in charge. Leadership's not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of the people in your charge. So what we envision is a place where people go to work every day, they make a contribution to something bigger than themselves, they learn something new, they feel safe because they're guided by a set of guiding values and they go home happy. Happy people create happy families, happy families create happy communities, and happy communities create a happy life. Some of these things that you talk about, many people say, well, yeah, that makes sense. So did we lose our way somewhere as we grow older and forget how to treat people, or is it something that has to be taught? Aristotle, the great philosopher, in 384 BC said, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. I would submit to you we're very, very slow learners. And I guess it's also ego that does a lot. You know, Simon Sinek just released a great book called The Infinite Game. And business is about playing the infinite game, not the finite game. And we've been forced in a lot of ways to be short-sighted in our thinking. Al, the soul-sucking CEO, has a cousin. I call him short-sighted Sam. He works on Wall Street. 
And, you know, it's all about what am I going to get today? So in business, we've got to have more of a long-term view. And that's what we've got at WD-40. We're 66 years old growing still and have you know continue because it's a, it's a, about our people if we treat them right so yeah we i think we, we just got to be reminded of this there's another great book written by robert fulgram and it's titled everything you need to know you learn at kindergarten and what does it say say please and thank you pick up after yourself if you go out at night you know take someone with you to be safe we've forgotten a bit of this we can we, we can do better as CEO, I'm sure that you live those principles. Is it also something that you have to consciously teach to those in your organization? And, and if so, how do you do that? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the first thing we talk about is our values. Um, we're a values-driven organization. So, you know, people come to us now to work at our company because they like our values. Remember I said 67% of people hate going to work? At WD-40 Company, 99% of our employees globally say they love to tell people they work at WD-40 Company. We've been measuring this for 20 years, and we, and we take it very seriously. So 97% of our people say they believe their values align with the company values. So value, culture equals values plus behavior times consistency. So you have to have the values, you have to monitor the behavior, encourage the behavior, and you have to do it consistently. So if a person walked into WD-40, into the workplace, what would we see that might be different than, let's say, a, a normal workplace that doesn't function so well? You'd see happy people. You'd be greeted. You'd be treated with respect and dignity. Um, you, we don't make mistakes at WD-40. We've, written, we've taken the word failure out. We have learning moments. And a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation that needs to be openly and freely shared to benefit all people. So you'd see people in learning mode. You'd see excitement. Uh, the person that you'd, we greeted at at our front desk is called the director of first impressions because their job is to make sure that they welcome you into our tribe. We call ourselves a tribe, not a team. Uh, and, uh, and that's because one of the other great desires people have in life is to belong you know people listening to this today you and I even have either left a, a, an organization a meeting a family gathering or even a relationship because we didn't feel like we belonged why do people leave organizations because they don't feel like they belong because we don't treat them like they're special they are special we should treat them like that those skills that you put into place was it something that you in a sense grew up with is it something that you had to cultivate how did you begin to learn to use those as ceo and transfer those on to others well i learned a couple of things um you know i grew up in sydney australia um you know i was the youngest of a family of four my mum lived till she was 99 years and nine months old my dad uh, only had one job in his life at one company for 50 years. So I learned a bit from them. But when I came to the United States in 1994, and then when I became CEO, a few things became really obvious to me. Number one was micromanagement was not scalable. Number two is I learned the most, three most important words in my, in my life, which I've now got comfortable with, which is I don't know. In most circumstances, I'm probably wrong and roughly right. And that showed me how I needed people. And then I went back to school. I went back to, to the University of San Diego and I did a master's degree in leadership. And one of my professors was Ken Blanchard, the one-minute manager. Subsequently, Ken and I wrote a book, to, wrote a book together. I was, ended up being on his board for 10 years. But he was really the, the champion of servant leadership. 
And I, after getting my master's degree and taking that learning, I started to play with that in the organization and brought some great people in. And uh, so, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm learning every day. As I say, I'm consciously incompetent. <laughs> well, I am interested because certainly you're here because you've had those successes. But tell me about a time or two where things didn't go well and you, and you learned some lessons that you applied to today. Well, I, I think... You know, one of the biggest challenges we have is getting this balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. Leadership is a balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. And one of the things I have to be careful with, and I have these learning moments all the time, is I could go to either end of that scale pretty quickly. So some of my learning moments is really taking, making sure that I'm conscious about how I'm making decisions. The other learning is, you know, one of the things that that leaders or people that are somewhat successful want to do, they always want to win. And Marshall Goldsmith wrote a great book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And and one of the, the, the those behaviours is adding too much value. So, you know, here we are, we'll be talking about something in the organisation, someone's done a really fantastic job, and we just want to add a little bit more. What do we do when we add a little bit more? We reduce the motivation by 50% and don't add value. So, you know, I have to learn to make sure that, you know, that I don't add too much value. I want to let people shine. Uh, the other one, too, is we need to be fantastic listeners. You know, I, I travel about 220,000 air miles a year. I'm out. We're in 176 countries selling our product. I haven't been to all of them, but we have offices in many. I spend a lot of time listening to my people because I, they have the answers. So that's, that's a big learning, too. As, as a CEO, you've got to have what I call bleeding tongue syndrome, which means you're biting your tongue a lot. So when you're up there giving that message then, do you have a place you tell people to start? How do they begin to implement more of what has become commonplace for you in the company? Number one, they have to really be convinced it's all about the people. They have to be prepared to let empathy eat ego instead of ego eating empathy. And then they have to look at the 10 uh, attributes of leadership uh, that I'll share with them today that I think um, my friend Al does not have any of. Well, he's not my friend. He's very unacceptable. <laughs> so where do you go from here? Do you continue to, to fill this role and continue to share this message and lead WD-40 into more countries and more products? Well, I hope so. Um, I'm really passionate about uh, helping leaders create great cultures because, you know, life's a gift. We shouldn't send it back unwrapped. Let's do some unwrapping in, in, in business. You can tell from the interview that Gary is a man who truly lives his message. Whenever I talked with him, it was not as if I was listening to a CEO, but rather a friend sharing the wisdom of working with others for many decades. There are many gems I took away from our visit, and I hope you did as well. Thanks for joining me on this journey with Gary Rich, CEO of WD-40. I hope you'll join us again as we travel the countryside. In Chicago, Illinois, I'm Andrew McCray.